about Gordon. He's, boy, he's moving. Man on a mission. He really is on a mission. And, of course, he has those four fresh tires, as you say. He can get by Stewart, which it looks like he will. Man, oh, man, look at Labonte go. He's got second, and they're coming up on two laps to go. He's going to catch him. Can he pass him? This might be deja vu all over again, but in reverse. <laughs> Labonte inside of Earnhardt. He taps him going into the third corner. He gets way down on the apron of the track. Coming to the white flag. There's a leader change, and Labonte takes the lead. And meanwhile, Ricky Rudd trying to... Oh, and Earnhardt spins him out. Oh, man. And Tony Stewart is involved in the crash, as is Mark Martin. Terry Stewart Marlin, and several others. Dale Earnhardt takes the checkered flag. And welcome back to Dropping the Hammer after a, well, technically not a hiatus. We had two episodes over the last two weeks. Our first recording session in about three weeks. Uh, and that you just heard was the ending to the 1999 Bristol Night Race. Uh, won by Del Arnhart Sr. after uh, he rattled the cage of Terry Labonte with one lap to go. Uh, as called by the late, great... Bob Jenkins, uh, my favorite uh, NASCAR broadcaster who died earlier this week at the age of 73 um, after a battle with brain cancer, which I, I, it sucks. It really does. He, they, don't, they don't make uh, broadcasters play-by-play by, play by play announcers in NASCAR like uh, Bob Jenkins anymore, and that really uh, cut deep uh, for me when that was announced. Um, earlier this week, uh, and I wrote a column about it at frontstretch.com, which you can go read, uh, which I, I hope you read. Um, but yeah, Bob Jenkins meant a lot to me in my uh, young NASCAR fandom. But yeah, welcome back to uh, Dropping the Hammer. I'm Dan McFadden, and with me as always is my podcasting co-host and friend, uh, James Crow. Hello, everybody. And re-watching that, I, so I watched that live, and I just relived all of the anger i had at dale Earnhardt for that <laughs> <laughs> you watched it live yeah yeah and i i, I liked i wasn't a big terry bonnie fan but i was a fan and so i was a little a little upset there um it <laughs> how he got treated and, and i kind of feel like the fact hey that, man the fact that dale Earnhardt did it he got Last a, lap. gave him a lot of leeway whether it, it had been somebody else Hey man, it was the last lap. Anything goes at Bristol on the last lap. Uh, he, like as, as he said in victory lane, he didn't mean to wreck him. He just meant to rattle his cage. Yeah, uh, I think uh, so. I, th- I think Kyle Larson needs to DM that video to uh, Christopher Bell. <laughs> completely different, um, completely different circumstances. Um, I'm saying like like uh, here is here's what it looks like when someone intentionally spins you out. <laughs> anyway so do, do you have anything you want to say about bob jenkins uh do, do you have any like you said you watched that live do, do you do you does bob jenkins voice mean anything for you you know i never had a name like i didn't remember the name to put to it honestly yeah. i'm sorry to you know disappoint you there but um but yeah i mean definitely 
hearing his voice, you know, brought back some memories to, of the the old days of NASCAR, as they are to me, at least. Well, yeah, um, Bob Jenkins was the, the, the lead play-by-play announcer for ESPN's uh, NASCAR coverage from 1981 at a race at Rockingham all the way up to, up until uh, the 2000 season finale at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, so he, he just by sheer numbers, because by, by 2000, uh, NASC ESPN broadcast, uh, 18 of 34 points races in a year. And so for the most part, ESPN had either, either a third or like almost half of the points races in a given year, just by sheer numbers. Uh, Bob Jenkins beats out anyone from that same time period in number of races called. Um, and, and in my personal opinion, he was just the voice of NASCAR for me because he also um, was involved in at least, I want to say, three EA Sports NASCAR games. So if you if you fired up a PlayStation or an, a Nintendo 64 in the late 90s for a NASCAR game, uh, there, there, there were... Bob Jenkins introductions to the video game and also individual racetracks, um, even, even fake racetracks. Um, wonder, I so, wonder if he was on a uh, NASCAR 99. That, that's the one that I remember yeah, he the been. best. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely would have been. Uh, yeah. Just look up, you look on, look up on YouTube, like EA sports, Bob Jenkins, NASCAR, whatever. So yeah. Um, yeah, either 90, it was either 99 or 2000. It, it was whatever the last game that you could turn around, drive backwards, and then when you crashed, it would just fling you high up in the air. Whatever game that that's was. That's very specific, and I, I don't have an answer for you. That's the closest um, I could ever get to my friends playing racing NASCAR racing games with me is like I would play the game normally, and then they would drive backwards, and I'd have to dodge them. <laughs> uh playing nascar games as a as a kid was different <laughs> yeah like like i i could if, if if we're talking about like games from like 99 2000 like i would get very frustrated very quick if i was being passed on like the second laps like this sucks and just like shut it off um when i was like but, but i see see i was different because when i was like i think 12 um or maybe 14 somewhere in there i played I decided I've told I think I've told the story on here before, but I decided to play um, an entire race, and of course I chose uh, Sonoma uh, um, or Sears Point <laughs> as it, Sears Point as it used to be called, and uh, uh, p- played the entire race, and then accidentally hit the reset button on the console on like the last oh. ten laps. Ooh, yeah. that that yeah, I. I really want it to be a feature on the new the new game NASCAR 21 Ignition, which was uh, had its launch trailer or whatever premiered yesterday. They they need to have a function where you can save in the middle of a race. I mean that, that makes that's, sense to me. Like it it just that's never as far as I know that's never been a feature on any NASCAR game where if you're on lap 200 of 300 or whatever you could say okay. I like where I am. I got to go do something. Press pause, save, and come back to that exact point later in the race. There's no way you could do that. And I think that's something that should be done. Anyway, um, back to what we were talking about. But Bob, Bob Jenkins, again, my, my favorite um, 
uh, announcer. I like in my column, I wrote at frenchrich.com. I talk about the, the time I got to meet Bob Jenkins and interview Bob Jenkins, um, which is still just kind of mind boggling to me that I got to do that. Um, I got to do that in grad school for a school project. Um, he, one thing I loved about Bob Jenkins is that unlike announcers from today, um, he, he, he doesn't pander. He doesn't try to make too much of any given moment in a race. If something, there's something worth being excited about, he will get excited about it. Um, that, that's what I really liked about him. Like he didn't pander. He informed, um, like I was watching the end of Dale Earnhardt's 2000 win at Atlanta, uh, where his photo finishes by the body, like with, it's a very intense battle with Bobby Labonte trying to catch Arnhart, but with like two laps to go, he's still like just rattling off uh, information about the differential between the two drivers. Very matter of factly. He's not um, juicing the moment for, because it didn't need to be juiced. It, it was just naturally tense. And he, he, he just kind of let that speak for itself in many ways. And he did not start raising his voice until, they're coming out of turn, turn four. Bobby Labonte's gets on on Hart's inside, and they're drag racing to the start finish line. He's like, "Who's it going to be?" And it's like, "Yeah, that's the moment to get excited." And I wish more announcers today in NASCAR could take that lesson. Um, you mean you mean when you have someone that has like half track lead, and uh, they're like, "Oh, uh, second place is coming. He's coming. I don't know if he can make it, but he's coming." For the whole last 10 laps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, okay. okay let's, let's get into it. Uh, Watkins Glen. Uh, Kyle Larson came home with win number five of the season. His second on a road course. Uh, he, he wasn't my pick to win. I picked Denny Hamlin to win. Uh, but he still finished in the top 10. So there was that. Uh, but yes, my my former employ, former cohorts at NBC Sports, they, they tried. I mean, it was tense because you're you're waiting for to see if Chase Elliott, who's just the boss at road courses these days, to see if he can cut into it. But after a certain point, he wasn't really able to close in closer to like closer than like four seconds. And they're saying like he's getting closer, but he 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 wasn't like yeah. he hadn't gotten under. It took him multiple laps just to go from like four and a half to four seconds and he, he wasn't picking up the pace like he should have even though he had he benefited he had the benefit of lap traffic yeah but yeah well, so yeah. they were i mean larson had ahead. the fastest call, car all day even when he wasn't up front you know the only problem he ever had was passing and you know there's apparently a big stink about how he passed somebody <laughs> named christopher bell <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 feel I, like, I, I from what I'm saying, it just seems like um, some people trying to stir up drama where it is where there isn't much. Oh well, they're, 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 <laughs> Larson's continuing to um, stir up drama because he did an interview on SiriusXM Radio a couple days ago, where he's like, "Yeah, man, Chris Christopher Bell's not even returning my calls right now." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. Any other person would do that, um, and th- and they're actually like friends ish like they, they yeah. respect each other um to a degree so this is it this is interesting 
they have this natural rivalry because they come from the, the dirt track ranks. Yeah. So yeah, ha- that's really well. They wrecked each. They they wrecked in the Bristol dirt race when everyone was expecting them to to be the top go- dogs. It it didn't happen because of that. So yeah. really, yeah, this race in this moment was like really the only other time I can think of that they've um, been at it like that. Yeah. Um, the other the other pot stirring i saw was a lot of people like there was an article about how how normally um uh carl larson rides home with denny hamlin but he but denny hamlin didn't let him ride home with him and the people that, were trying no, to that, make a that, big, that was all good fun yeah was was like, people were fun. trying to make a big deal out of it and, and then someone was like no he just has to stay late because he won the race yeah they, they do they, this happens every time like kurt kurt bush and kyle bush get, finish one two <laughs> it's like oh, the, uh, he was my ride, but oh, oh no, he's left him behind. So it's 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 no big deal. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Um, but in general, so Crow, what, what did you think of the the go bowling at the Glen on Sunday? Um, the name was confusing. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sure there was at least thirty people that tuned in expecting bowling, um, and at least one person that expected them to be bowling on the racetrack. Um, but uh, oh, it was a really good race. That like, was it half the race? Was that oh? Let's see, Christopher Hill got s- spun halfway through about and and but like I don't know the whole like there was good racing up at the lead through the majority of the race. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I mean, there actually weren't like any outside when Logano took the lead from Keselowski after Keselowski spun on lap ten coming to the competition caution, I don't believe there were any green flag passes for the lead. Um, so, but it didn't feel like that kind of race though, because it, it was a very intense race. Whether you want to throw in like the whole, you know, yeah. pit strategy and all that, which I can never keep track of. I am not a pit strategy person. Never ask me to, to do that, to keep track of who, who, who pit, when they pit and when they need to put again, yeah. I will it, fail. I you. feel like it used to be a lot. Maybe it was, I don't know if it was more important, but it used to be a lot easier to follow pit strategies back in the day of your hero. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. Maybe they just talked about it more or there was more emphasis or there's just more detail about what was going on. Maybe back then the crew chiefs weren't as, you know, top secret information or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like when I used to watch it back in the day, like pit strategy was so integral to the racing that it was just part of it. And then, but it's harder to fall now for me. At least I think, I think in this case, the stages, uh, just add more into the whole equation of like of it. So that, that makes it more complicated. I, I'm very, I, I love stages, um, but I think on road courses, they need to just do away with the caution on stages and just keep going because <laughs> it, it really disrupt, disrupts the flow. Like, I really wish this is one of those instances where I did not want a competition caution uh, because once Kozlowski spun around from the, from the lead with his teammate on his bumper, I was like, oh, it is on. It was going to be that kind of race because Watkins Glen is really one of those races 
where you can tell what kind of race it's going to be from the first 10 laps. Yeah. Like, I remember at one point too, in, in the race, there was a, I forget, forget who spun. Maybe it was Blaney. Yeah, it was Blaney. And, and the, the announcer was like, and now there's a caution. Like, like, like he was in, he was confused as to why there was a caution. Um, because the, he spun and then he was just right back on the track. No big deal. You know? I think I missed Blaney's spinning um, because I, I did miss the start of the second stage because I was driving from here where I'm at right now to my house. Yeah. I, f- so. I forget which part that was in, but I think it was earlier on, but yeah, it was, it was just funny because it was the announcer kind of let out that that's a weird decision. <laughs> but like, uh, as I was saying, like, Watkins Glen is really one of those races where you, you can tell within the first few laps how intense the racing is going to be. And it stayed that way, even with the cautions and stuff. Um, the, the, I mean, like the part where, where Truex was leading Bell at, and Larson and they were under a blanket and just running away from everyone else and just staying really close together was exciting because um, one screw up from from Truex and who knows what happens. Yeah. And also lost um, Larson had the faster car and, yeah. and he was in third and you knew at some point he was going to have to push it and he pushed it. And he pushed it too much. <laughs> so, yeah. Although he, he like, went over the limit. Although he, his tire was on the curb, his tire was on the curb. So I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think that it was his fault. I think that Chris Rell tried to block him and he was too. Late. No, Lars, Larson has admitted it was his fault. And well, it was like maybe, he got in too deep. He well, did. He got he, in too hot. Yeah. I don't know. From watching the video, it just doesn't look that way to me. You know, I'm sure uh, his experience well, it, is the more accurate one there. But well, Larson was making the offensive move. Yeah. Um, and he didn't have to do that. So. Um, yeah, he owned up to it and it, yeah, it screwed up Christopher Bell's day. So, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, it was, um, it's really, it's really amazing. Chase Elliott finished second. Um, he was denied his chance at a third road course win, uh, this season, but regardless, he's still one win away from tying Tony Stewart for second all time on on the road course win list in in nascar which is very just remarkable but really not because they're racing on so many more road courses yeah over the the last two years compared to the era of jeff gordon tony stewart when it was just two a year yeah so which i find it remarkable because none of chase elliott's wins have occurred at sonoma so that that's really remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't race there last year. So. So cool. So any other takeaways from Watkins Glen Crow? Um, we just need more races like that one. <laughs> and, 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 and my, you know, my position is always more road courses anyway, but um, the uh, definitely stuff like that, you know, helps that cause. Is seven road courses not enough for you? You think it should be half? Half? Oh, you you want half the races in a thirty-six race schedule to be road courses? Yes. Oh, so when I say road courses, I mean a mix of like the city 
things like in Nashville this past weekend and oh yeah you know we're 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 more than likely getting one yeah here in in a year or two in Chicago yeah I think I think we need a few of those a few of uh of the Roval road courses and um than just your traditional like like i think that we should be hitting every single major road like road course in the u.s maybe one in mexico oh well i I want cup to to run internationally um i i I, it just boggled my mind in the, the the you know late 2000s early 2010s that we're we're sending the xfinity series to canada and mexico but not cup. It it never made sense why, why you you sent the B team. I'm to, guessing to it was the insurance issue. I I have no idea, but it just boggled my mind. Why 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 are you sending the AAA team to be the face of the sport internationally? It just and we aside from this year and last year, you know, the truck series has also been going to Canada and putting on great races. So, yeah. um. I hope that gets rectified here in the next couple of years because the cup, the A team needs to be racing internationally. They need to be going to Mexico. I want to, I want to see a cup race in Mexico with Daniel Suarez in the field. Um, So, but, um, but yeah, watch this Glenn. It was a great race. Um, I, I, I think that two, that two week gap, was bookended by very two two very good races at, at New Hampshire and Watkins Glen, and um, I, I was surprised by the New Hampshire result because I didn't expect it to be that great without the PJ one, but we were proven wrong. Um, so yeah, after after Watkins Glen though, uh, I guess I guess it's time for what time is it, Crow? <laughs> It is. <laughs> I actually do no clue how he finished, but I know it wasn't good because I don't even remember anything about him from the entire race. Yeah, it was another uh, not great day, great race day for our intrepid Daytona uh, 500 winner, Michael McDowell, uh, who finished 21st at Watkins Glen. Um yeah, he has not finished inside the top 20 in the last four races. Um, so not not a good stretch for McDowell. Uh, here, here's what the team's report says. Um, he started 25th. McDowell and the team showed speed to get in the top 20, but it just, just didn't have enough to contend for a top 10 finish. McDowell stays top, stays ranked 12th in the playoff standings. Uh, the team used pit strategy to finish 16th in stage one. McDowell felt the car was good in the bus stop portion of the road course, but the car needed help throughout the rest of the track. The team made changes and McDowell was able to race back to 25th at the end of stage two, but McDowell knew he just needed a little bit more adjustments in the car. And the team made, a, made another round of adjustments to help in the final stage. McDowell gained more positions, but not enough to get back into the top 15. So... Uh, yeah, not, not, not a great stretch of the season for, for McDowell. And now we, now we go to the Indianapolis road course where he has never competed in a race. So we have nothing to base 
based it on. So he has no history. Isn't it that none of the drivers have competed at the Indianapolis road course? Oh, no. Uh, There's multiple drivers who competed in the Xfinity race uh, last year. Ross Chastain, AJ Allmendinger, Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe. Uh, for some reason, um, I thought this was the, the first trip there, but I didn't, I didn't know Xfinity for Cup, was there. For, yeah. for Cup, it is. But Xfinity got the ball rolling uh, yeah. last summer um, in a very exciting race. The, the finish of that, the last like five laps of that race are just phenomenal. And if you haven't watched it grow, please just look up the finish of that race last year. It's yeah thrilling and i hope i'm hoping hoping um it's a preview of what we can expect from the first cup race on the road course after 20 ref just over 25 races on the oval for the brickyard 400 um but the the racing on the oval just has not been great of of late um and so they're giving the road course a try uh, even though they're saying that the attendance levels, the expected attendance levels for Sunday's race are about on par with what the attendance was for the last Brickyard 400, uh, at least in 2019. So maybe in a few years we go back to the Oval, um, but I'm thinking if the racing is just stellar this year that we might so be, be stay on the road course. Here's my stupid proposal. Okay. Okay. Start the race on the road course. Second stage, oval. Well, it it takes a while to convert. We'll convert it, it to both. Like it's it it's an overnight project to convert it from road course to, to oval operating. Just throw some cones up. So. <laughs> If we, I think if we put you in charge of NASCAR for like a day, um, either things would improve or... If I was in charge the, of the NASCAR for a day, the next, like the very next race, I would, just, I would just drop it and move it to Laguna Sega. I don't care. It's like, I, I don't care. I'm in charge. I only have a day. You're going here. <laughs> I want stock cars on the corkscrew. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I know I'm not gonna go, do a good job at this, so I'm at least gonna do something that I want. <laughs> you told me that if I made this change, it was permanent. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I mean, I will be covering um, this weekend's race races in Indianapolis. I'll, I'll be. We're recording this Thursday night. August 12th, I have a 6.30 a.m. flight from here in Northwest Arkansas, a two-hour flight to Chicago, a three-hour layover in Chicago, and then a flight to Indianapolis. But I will be there to cover the Xfinity race, the NASC, the Cup race, and the IndyCar race if FrenchStretch.com deems it needing me. This is my first time going to Indianapolis since I graduated from Indiana's sports journalism grad program master's program back in 2014 so i'm really looking forward to visiting there it's a really really cool city and uh, i uh, that the year i lived there was really really cool so yeah but also coming up on monday hopefully uh crow is able to get this out so that you can hear this preview announcement um before it happens Uh, i was a guest 
last night on the Fast Lap podcast, uh, which is hosted by two female NASCAR fans, uh, Deb and Chrissy. I think, it, I think your name was Chrissy. I don't have it in front of me. If, if this is wrong, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but I had a really fun time on it, and they released their episodes every every Monday. So check that out. As part of it, um, last Friday, I was at a local flea market perusing the, their wares for any NASCAR stuff to purchase for myself or to sell on eBay. And I stumbled, stumbled upon one uh, unit in the flea market that had on it a bookshelf. And on that bookshelf was a multitude of NASCAR romance novels. Uh, I knew these NASCAR romance novels series existed but i did not know how many there were and i was astounded by it so i took a picture of it put it on twitter and then it blew up and we all had fun with it like submitting our own fake nesca romance novel titles you, you did um, buy these right about one oh, i can't go back can't go back you, get, you need these and then eventually no. after you build all the hype you sell them on ebay in, in High Gear by Gina Wilkins. And if you go and listen to the new episode of the Fast Lap podcast on Monday, you can hear me doing a dramatic reading, which you can actually hear in this following clip. Put it yeah. in there. So, Is that what they say in the book? What? It's a romance novel. I'm lost. In different ways they got to that recipe and why their grandpa liked it so much okay and... I'll, I'll, just, I'll just i'll just give you guys a tease all oh, right please, yes please do yes. Dram- dramatic reading <laughs> in high gear by gina wilkins chapter one he had to be the luckiest man on earth kent grosso mused as he straightened the knot in an expensive red silk tie he wore with a crisp white shirt and an immaculately <laughs> immaculately tailored dark suit he had the career of his dreams, his first NASCAR Sprint Cup Series championship trophy, a wonderfully close and supportive family, and an amazing girlfriend. Some people had suggested that Kent had led a charmed life, and he was inclined to agree. That's, that's the I first love part. that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, you can hear, hear that clip and more um, if you go listen to the Fast Lap podcast next week, um, because I had a lot of fun doing it. So, and I will be tuning into their podcast uh, later. And they will be a guest on our podcast next week, I believe. They, they will be coming on into our neck of the woods and we get to grill them after they get to grill me. So, it, it's going to be fun. Um, and I, I just hope that Crow doesn't embarrass embarrass me. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm the one that will do that. Oh, I saw you in Memphis. Yeah, you would be the one. <laughs> For the, you guys don't know, but Crow and I, uh, we got to see each other during the two-week NASCAR break in Memphis. Uh, we met up with our good college friend, Matt, for, for a weekend of adventures. And it was the first time all three of us had been together since 2016. So, and the first time I'd seen Crow, when did I come to St. Louis? Was that? A couple of years ago. Seven, 17 um, or 18? It was right after I moved here, so... I don't don't do math. Do anyway, uh, it'd been a while. It'd been a while. Yeah. So and, and it all last... happened to line up with me going through a manic phase, which was interesting <laughs> for all of us. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
hearing Crow's political philosophies at one o'clock in the morning are um to, to be clear, it wasn't just at one o'clock, it was like one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. <laughs> too late. It was it was too late. Um so, but and, anyway. Matt, and Matt was on the other side of the room, just like shut up. <laughs> Uh, but the, anyway, this weekend, Indianapolis Road Course, uh, I, I will be there. Uh, Crow, who is your pick to win on the Indianapolis Road Course? Mm, is not Denny Hamlin a pick? <laughs> you want me to go about the standby and say Ross Chastain? That, you, no, that's my pick. That's my pick. Ross Chastain is my pick because okay. he's raced there before and he's he's shown himself to be very good on road courses this All year. Right. Um, I will go with... Uh, Chase Elliott. A safe pick. A very safe <laughs> pick. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully, if he he uh, doesn't start from the rear due to yet another inspection penalty or flat spot his tires, like he did uh, Sunday at Watkins Glen. Um, w- there was one piece done at N- NBC Sports, my former writing home, looking at how uh, Chase Elliott's history of getting inspection penalties this year could could come back to bite him because this, this his penalty his inspection penalty before Watkins Glen resulted in you know a points penalty and he's had three of those and he, counting that includes Nashville where he had all five lug lug nuts unsecure on one wheel which just basically disqualified him from the race and he finished dead last so he's he's missing a whole basically a whole points worth a whole race worth of points, uh, plus uh, the penalty for Watkins Glen and one other penalty I can't remember the race. Yeah, thing, things aren't going completely great in Chase Elliott's neck of the woods right now, but um, but he's still very good at road courses, um, as we saw Sunday. So we will see how that goes uh, this Sunday. I believe the race will be on NBC. Uh, any, anything else you want to share with our audience, Crow? Oh, uh, so we've been cutting up stuff and posting them on YouTube as shorts just because, you know, there's interesting stuff that gets buried in these, you know, hour or more long conversations. So <laughs> make sure you go to the YouTube channel, check that stuff out. Um, um, hopefully I can talk Daniel into doing more more throughout the week just to update people I, I was busy today getting getting ready to go to indianapolis and getting new tires for my car i'm sorry so so you can here's the thing though you can just like you can be like hey i'm out here getting my car fixed and guess what happened with this i don't know <laughs> set up set up my very fancy microphone in the walmart no, auto just, center no, waiting just, room just use your phone <laughs> Just use your phone. <laughs> it, it, it's basically but, it's knockoff TikTok. No one cares. <laughs> uh, I I do plan on doing a short once the Kurt Busch to twenty three eleven racing news is finally made official. Um, I don't know when that will be, but I will try to do it, or any other big news that comes down the pipe. So, anyway, thank you for listening to this. Brand new episode of Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I'm Daniel McFadden. Follow follow me on Twitter at Daniel McFadden, all one word. Uh, you can follow James at DTH Crow. There's no E at the end of Crow. 
Nope. Uh, follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Fadden. If you have any notes, comments, suggestions, feel free to email me at Fadden at gmail.com. Also, um, I, I apologize for stirring controversy. I slightly intended that to happen on Twitter, but it was a lot more than I expected. <laughs> intended what to happen? What are you talking about? Oh, the uh, one Twitter post that kept me busy all day. Oh, oh, um, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Please, please explain what, okay. what, what you did. So bro. I made a comparison between Simone Biles and uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, and him deciding to race at the uh, at, at Daytona, the next Daytona race after his dad died versus yeah. Simone Biles um, backing out of the Olympics and, and how, how you, you have reacted to that. And it, like it legitimately was an honest question because I think those, there's two comparable situations when, you know, her history and his history and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I thought, oh, well, you know, the like five people that followed me will find this interesting. And then the, they did. And then so did the whole bunch of other people. And then a whole bunch of other people didn't appreciate my question. Um, well, uh, from what I saw, most of the responses to it were very reasonable. Oh yeah, the, from what I saw, the the best comment was the guy, the one guy that like re- retweeted it uh, or quote retweeted it, and it's like, "I'm here for this. <laughs> this is the <laughs> this kind is of the, pot stirring the... I'm here for." Yeah, <laughs> I said that to you. I remember? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was your first real taste of NASCAR Twitter, though. Really, that that was you jumping doing a cannonball um during adults win yeah at least i didn't uh, <laughs> at least i didn't make the incident counter <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you you know that where what that reference is now <laughs> so so we're making progress on crow's integra- integration into nascar twitter but yeah you can you can see more of crow's pot stirring at dth dth crow on twitter 